The film and TV show is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Films. TV. Film. TV. Film. TV shows. Film. TV. Film. TV. Film. TV show. Film. TV. Film. TV. Film. TV. Film. Television. Film. Film. TV. Film. TV. I love this film. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the film and TV show with me, Richard S. and Alex. I'm melting. Yeah, me too, mate. It's horrible. Horrible weather. It's so muggy and awful, and... It's not even sunny. It's just really, really just muggy. Yeah. It's horrible. Ugh. It is horrible. Anyways. Anyways. Um, we've been away for a little while again. Just it, it's always things always crop up. Well, your fault last week. My for being fault last sick. week. Yeah, yeah. I know. I weren't. Your I weren't weakling. great last week. I weren't great. <laughs> uh, I was blind, mate. Migraines. Shocking, honestly. Um, so yes. So this week we're going to be talking about um, probably one of only a few actors in the world that would make women get a little bit moist. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. Oh, oh come on, you you know, I no, mean, he's he's top male crush as well. <laughs> you are, I yeah, mean, he is. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and I, th- I think when he did the bedtime stories, he pretty much had most single mums probably sitting on the edge of the sofa. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Drooling. Uh, I wasn't going to say drooling, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are of course talking about Mister Tom Hardy. Um and his filmography and the the variedness in his roles because some it, not so varied. No, no, he does get sort of typecast, doesn't he? As a, as as a sort of type of <clears throat> character, I would say. Uh, kind of. I mean, there are similarities between a lot of roles, but. Yeah, he's, uh, I wouldn't say he's uh, essentially typecast. He has tried to break out and do different things, so. Yeah, fair play to him. You know, yeah. he's he's managed to do quite a lot. I mean, um, he's only 41. He's only five years older than me. Christ. 41, born in Hammersmith, London, 1977. Right, looking at his, at the films that he's done, right, so we go, I mean, he has done an absolute, Buttload. But then some of these aren't going to be ones that he's been the main person as such. No, of course. Um, Sweeney Todd. Didn't realise he was in Sweeney Todd. No. Sucker Punch was in that. Didn't know he was in Sucker Punch either. No, probably background. Um, yep. Mary Antoinette. Didn't know he was in that. Uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, but we know he was, he was in Star Trek Nemesis. That. Yeah. That, I think that was his, like... Big break, wasn't it? Praetor Shinzon. Um, yeah. yeah, probably. Uh, Layer Cake, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Rock and Roller, Child 44. Never heard of Child 44, mm. but yeah. Black Hawk Down. Yeah, I remember him. Great film in there. This Means War. I quite like This Means War. It's I crap. I, I quite liked it. I no. thought it was quite funny. No, no, no. It's um, crap comedy. Uh, Dunkirk, Inception, Lawless. Batman, uh, Dark, 
Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises, The Revenant, Warrior, Bronson, uh, Peaky Blinders, Venom, Legend. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see kind of starts off in very bit party roles and all of a sudden you've got these real big massive films that everybody knows. No, I um I was aware of him like back in the Star Trek Nemesis days. Yes. Uh I watched that movie when I was when was it released? When was Star, Star Trek Nemesis. Let's have a look. Two thousand and two. Yeah, I was twelve years old. I was then. nineteen. And I was like, hmm, this this guy I don't know. He he seems to have potential. He he's got the same sort of gravitas as uh, Patrick Stewart. He doesn't seem to uh, yeah uh, back down from a challenge when going up against these sort of big name actors. Yeah, and I think that's something that he's always kind of had, um, mm. where he's he's gone up against big name actors, and he and you can kind of tell his on screen presence is is always the same. There, there's never any fluctuation when you compare. Um, compare the roles where he's been from the leading person, such as Bronson, This Means War, Venom, Legend, to when he's kind of secondary, like Nemesis, because he is technically a secondary character in Nemesis. Technically secondary in Warrior. Yeah. Although, uh, uh, co-protagonist, I would guess. I don't know. That's a difficult one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it is. It's it, it is a difficult one, but you know we'll start with Star Trek Nemesis. In Dunkirk, he wasn't even named in Dunkirk. I know, which is insane. I know, overshadowed by the likes of uh, <laughs> Harry Styles. <laughs> that's the one. I can't remember what his name was. I was just going to say that Muppet from One Direction, but Harry Styles. Yeah, he's yeah. such a loser. See, Dunkirk for me didn't have enough talking in it. It was all Dunkirk didn't have enough people in it for me. Well, yeah. Yeah, considering, it was an empty beach, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, when we know that's probably not technically true. But. No, it was packed. Yeah. There's like physical descriptions of people on Dunkirk that were saying it was it was like people as far as the eye could see. And yeah. in the movie, it's a couple Dead. of hundred. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is, it's, it's crap. It is like crap. a night out in Peterborough. Yeah, yeah, just just a few handful. Just a, just a handful of it. It is now. Hey, mate, back in the day, it was always packed. Yeah, always well, packed. Then we invented the wheel. <laughs> and moving on. Um, yeah, so let's let's start with um, let's start with the ones where he's been. He's taken centre stage. Start with Legend. Yeah, absolutely love that film. It's so quotable. Yeah, it's it's like. Um, I'm just trying to think that what's the best sort of way to to kind of put it. it it's like uh, an Adam Sandler film in oh, terms of God, quotability. No. no, in terms of quotability, because you all can always pick out loads from Adam Sandler films. Whereas Legend takes on a slightly different style, but it, like you say, it's still so quite. My favourite scene is just the bit in in the bar, which is literally like probably the most yeah. common. I would say it's. Um... In my mind, it's a bit like Scarface. Yeah. It's a modern telling of an old uh, sort of, well, not historic, like recent history Yeah, um, of crime uh, that happened in uh, the UK, in uh, good old Great Britain, yeah. more centrally in London. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's quotable, but it's not to the sort of 
uh, just like Scarface, everyone knows the say hello to my little friend and things yeah. like that. You've got Tom Hardy at the pub talking about, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what was it, a shootout. Yeah. yeah. And wasting people's time. Yes. That we can't really start quoting now. No, it's unfortunately. Full of expletives. Unfortunately not, no, because that, that's probably one of the most epic scenes. But what we've got to take from it is that Hardy plays both Ronnie and Reggie Cray. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know who the Crays are, the Crays were basically un- gangland kingpins in yeah. London. Um, very, very well feared, very well known. Uh, took on the Italian mafia. Yeah, and won. Yeah. Um, but they were brutal. They were vicious. Yeah. They, um, they, they pulled no punches. Proper Londoners they were, um, which is what is so endearing about Tom Hardy is that he is a proper Londoner. He can switch to that proper London accent in a heartbeat or he can switch to a more northern accent. Or he can switch to, well, pretty much anything. That's because he's a trained actor. Yeah, but he's yeah, but there's some people who do it, and it's, <laughs> some people do it, and it doesn't sound right. You he mean does like it Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, anyone American, basically, who tried to do anything other than American accent, apart from Alan Tudyk. Love. He's he yeah, can pretty he's, much. He's good. He's he's like a completely different kettle of fish, though. I'd honestly say that Alan Tudyk is probably more akin to a voice actor than he is an actor. An actor, actor. actor. But yeah. again, like, he's been in plenty of movies, so you yeah. can't really just take that away from him. No, no. But, um, but yeah, you know, the fact that Hardy had to film every scene twice, pretty much, as one as Ronnie, one as Reggie. Yeah. And he also had to deal with the the conflicting emotions between what can be described as a sociopath and a closet homosexual yeah um and the closet homosexual was also a psychopath Psych- yeah psychopath i said yeah. that really weird yeah psychopath psychopath yeah and he was and you know you've got to the, the writing and the direction and the production can only take a film so far mm-hmm. it's the actors that that take it that next step further and hardy really did that in legend um i, I thought he really stepped it up and it's not it's not something you would necessarily expect from someone who's playing two roles. You would think that you would kind of get some sort of crossover or some sort of um, mishmash. I mean, the great thing about it is that the characters are so different, yet twins. Yeah. Uh, and that can... Uh, well, we've seen it before in things like The Social Network, where Arnie Hammer... Uh, Army, sorry, not Arnie... Uh, Army Hammer played both of the Winklevoss twins. Yes. Uh, but that came across as um, like having two clones. Yeah. They were so similar uh, and almost cartoony in a way. Yeah, there was no uh, variation between the characters. Whereas whenever you watch Legend, uh, I'm completely engrossed in it and I forget that it is Tom Hardy playing both roles because they are so completely different, yeah. polar opposites. Uh, and I think it's one of those sort of testaments for him uh, as an actor to believably convince your audience that uh, these are two completely different uh, characters. Yeah, although... Must have taken a hell of a lot of work. Well, he had to do... It, it, there was an interview where he was talking about it and he was saying that he had to do so much research and not to go by what, quote-unquote, people thought and people knew about them. He had to physically, yeah. like go right to the source and actually get himself 
involved in you know in that that lifestyle he had yeah. to really like put the feelers out to all the people that the craze used to to used to work against who used to work for the craze um to really get to know them they couldn't just go by what some random bloke said when he was in a pub one day you know he actually had to walk the beat as such and go to the places that the craze went and meet the people that he spoke to same well, with bronson really as well yeah he spent a lot of time talking to charles bronson didn't he when he was doing that because and, and that's another film that's that film is probably the first film where he's really bulked up because mm. he looks he looks mean as in that i mean that's 2008 isn't it charles salvador now didn't he change his name in prison yeah. to be more artistic yeah yeah I, I, I'll call him whatever he bloody well wants. Just so yeah, the guy's an absolute death. bloody beast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his, his name, his real name is actually Michael Pettersson. Charles, Charles Bronson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he basically, he plays, he plays him with such ferociousness. Yeah. Because, you know, Bronson now isn't so much a... You know, I mean, he is still a nutcase, mm-hmm. but he's very mellow now in comparison to how he was before. And that's one thing that you can tell in a few documentaries that have come out since the film is that he's mellowed a lot. And there was a lot of interaction between him, him and Tom Hardy when Tom was was trying to to get across Bronson on screen. Yeah. And it was absolutely enthralling just to listen to him talking about like the conversations that he had with the madman with the madman basically um i mean it's it's just ridiculous i mean just uh just, just i'm reading the blurb from the film right and this doesn't even do justice in this drama based on the true story there's no one tougher or more more brutal in the english penal system than prisoner michael petterson aka charles bronson first incarcerated after robbing a jewelry store the married Bronson is sentenced to seven years, but his incorrigible, savage behaviour quickly gets him in trouble with guards, fellow inmates, and even a dog. I mean, that part of it was actually quite brutal. Um, The only place where Bronson can't do any harm is solitary confinement. And, you know, when you you watch the film, you, you kind of see the way that Hardy just... I don't know, it's like he's going through that solitary confinement himself. Whilst he's not, he's obviously got film crew, but you can you can see that the the, the method to his acting is really focused, really centralised, and really sort of personable. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you can definitely see the descent into madness, especially halfway through the film where Charles Bronson's in a psychiatric hospital. Yes, uh, and it goes really sort of abstract. Uh, it's just a really good film and those two are both sort of up there as uh tom hardy's currently like most dramatic roles i would say i don't know i think the revenant might give that a little bit of a run for i mean i wasn't see, I'm a huge fan of the revenant anyway see if i gave you the option right of going home sitting down and watching a movie i know you would choose legend over watching the revenant oh good hands down 100 exactly. percent so in my mind, watchability also plays into like, um, uh, sort of performance, really. But then from that, you could argue then that the likes of Mad Max. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Whilst that's, a that's whilst awesome. a completely different type of film. Bloody love that film. It, it's great film. I mean, you know, when you talk about taking an iconic film, and let's be honest, Mad Max is iconic film from a young Mel Gibson perspective. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people a lot older than me grew up on that sort of um, far fre- far fetched futuristic utopia. But it's not utopia, dystopia. it's dystopia. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. And to have someone like Tom Hardy come in and kind of flip it. They didn't do it, they didn't copy the films. No. Nope. Because that would be, um, that, that would be disingenuous. They also didn't try and flip the script on it and try and do the complete opposite, <coughs> Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> I was going to wait for that. They didn't switch it so it was Mad Max scene. Or <laughs> yeah. Hey, mate, it could happen. They could still go down Mad Max scene. Who would play that, though? Who would do Mad Max scene? Just cast Charlize Theron because she did such a good job as Furio- uh, Furiosa. Yeah, yeah, this is very, very true. She was great in that. She and- was great. Credit to both of them, uh, because apparently they hated each other on set, but they're both down to do a sequel. See, I don't get that. How? Why? I don't get it. Why, how could they hate each other? I mean, you, you don't really know until you're on set and they're working together. It could be just the fact that it was long hours in the middle of a desert, you know, not really comfortable working uh, together all the time could just, you know, push people over the edge. Yeah, but the fact that they came out the other side, recognized the product that they made, and are still up for creating a sequel if someone else is down to direct it is well, it's already listed on here on the IMDb as Mad Max Two, so I assume it's gonna it's gonna happen. But hopefully, hopefully, because Mad Max was was a brilliant film. Yeah, brilliant film. Um, it was a great reimagining of of that futuristic dystopia. Um. I'd say it should focus a bit more on Mad Max next time. Yeah, and not the the sort of secondary. It almost made Mad Max a secondary character. Yeah, even though he was. The weird thing is, he is central to the plot. He is never not in a scene. No, but he is sort of riding along, <laughs> like he's attached to the front of a vehicle, yeah. and he's like passenger to Furiosa. Yeah, he's uh, never the, he's never taken the lead as such. Not until the very end of it, really, when he's driving them back. Yeah, sort of thing. But yeah, it's um, there is uh, uh many different roles that he's sort of excelled at, and yeah, uh, one of my favorites that Tom Hardy's recently done was Warrior. Uh, yeah, just from the pure, uh, I don't know, the physicality, the storyline. Yeah, um, see, I loved it. I thought it was a great film. I thought um, it was quite impassionate. It was very much like a a new Rocky. Yes, yeah, but more more grittier. Not as it. it I mean, you, it's hard when you're comparing boxing films to Rocky because it will always be. Well, it's an MMA film. Yeah, I know, but people will <laughs> class it as boxing. Yeah. To, the, to the uninitiated, they will class It's it. a fighting film. It's a fighting film, and you will always instantly get it compared to Rocky. I don't know why, but people just do. I, the, I just like the fact that it, it shows the brutalness of MMA. And you've got to remember, when this film came out, MMA wasn't as mainstream as it is now. 
That's the, the octagon why it did so poorly. Yeah, the octagon was never really out there. It was more of an underground sport. The UFC was never well. It was, it was big in America. Yeah, but it just wasn't over here. Baseball was big in America, and Conor McGregor was probably one of the main attributing factors as to why it uh, got bigger over in the UK. Yeah, and now there's a lot of there's a lot of clubs, and there's a, a lot of my friends. Listen, I'm doing training. So. Do it, yeah, and you know this is it. It's it's always good because it's good for physicality. It's good for stamina. It's good for for just your central core. Yeah. So, but that's why you know it did do badly. It didn't it didn't get the recognition it should have got because it wasn't as well received over here. I don't think it was well received anywhere really, other than the states. It was one of those cult classics that. Uh... Uh, once the trailers started going around of um, some of the fight scenes in it, that started picking up speed online. Uh, and that's how people uh, really sort of paid attention to it and started watching it. Um, but it didn't perform very well. Uh, and I think fighting films in general, it's difficult to make them and make it accessible to the audience because uh, unless it is an established franchise like like Rocky or like Creed... Yeah, uh, you're going to have trouble getting butts in seats. Yeah, and that's ultimately where it comes down to. Um, and you know, twenty three point one million dollars is what it took at the box office. Yeah, hardly anything. I mean, that's pretty much. What was its uh, budget? Do you... uh, it doesn't say what the budget was. I'll have a quick look. But it, I, I, I don't know. Twenty one, twenty three point one million US dollars at the box office is not. I mean that's usually someone's salary in 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 a big film. I mean I know you're going back eight years. Tom Hardy wasn't as well known as he is now. You know he probably picked that up on the back of Bronson. I'd imagine. Um, oh no, no, it's off the back of. Uh, no, he goes on to do Dark Knight Rises after that, or very something similar. Well, no, because Warriors 2011, Dark Knight Rises is 2012. Yeah, so he goes on to do that. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it's... Yeah, you said it got 23 or 21? 23.1 million US dollars at box office. Uh, its budget was 25. So it didn't even make the budget, so they no. made a loss on that. I mean, they've probably picked it up now from like subsidiary yeah. sales, etc. It's probably picked it up, but... It had a negative of 40 to 50 million cash flow. Jesus. Which is pretty big. Yeah, that's huge for a film. If that was, you know, if that was your, like, I don't know, your, your Avengers or whatever. Oh, God. Could you even... Well, actually, no, it's exactly like DC films. Yeah, or or Solo. Yeah, Star or Wars. Solo. Yeah, that, that, made a, that made a loss compared to, to, budget, to, to budget spent. Um, but, yeah, it's... Warrior was a great film. It was one of those... It, it's now classed. Is it classed as a cult classic yet? I mean, yeah. it's it's eight years old now. Is it? Yeah, it's it's got a massive following. Um, it's very or is sim- that? Or is, or you mean that Tom Hardy's got a massive following? Yeah, to be fair, it, it could be a little bit of the same, but uh, it is a good film. Um, it's in that same sort of genre as uh, Never Back Down. Uh, that was a cheesy, uh, a cheesier version of uh, Warrior, really. Um, even though I think it came before it. It was just one of those things that, uh, yeah, 
uh, you're always going to struggle making those movies, but um, I'm, I'm glad they did because he's got two really, really good, strong actors in it. Tar- yeah. uh, it's not Taron Egerton. It's, Joel uh, Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Yeah, Joel Edgerton. He's brilliant. Um, it's also got Nick Nolte in it as well. Yeah, but Nick's crazy. Yeah, he is batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, he really is. It's yeah. I, I don't know. For me, it's got to be. It's got to be past ten years to become a cult classic. Yeah, I think either that or it's one of those films that yeah, you don't but, think anybody's seen, but near enough, everyone you know has seen it. But it just didn't do well. It didn't. It didn't register on Rotten Tomatoes or or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's play a quick song, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about probably his most, two of his most famous roles. Mm.
couldn't help but putting in a little bit of uh, the darkness in there. I don't know why. I just, just felt like it, you Maybe know. it's because it's your ally? The darkness. Hello, yeah. darkness, my old friend. Well, I was meaning more Tom Hardy, Bane, the darkness. I knew you'd get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I knew you'd uh, get it. Yeah, you just didn't play off of it. No, is... I, I, I you know, I didn't know whether you'd pick up on it or not. You know, no, no, I, I got it. <laughs> so, so yes, so that was the darkness uh, growing on me. But uh, the, the I, I guess the uh, the little sub hint there is the darkness. So we're going to be talking, of course, about Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Arguably, um, one of the least you used, used. I'm going to say used characters because he's. Pretty well. He's pretty kind of. It's not his first uh, appearance in a Batman movie. No, no, this is true. But <laughs> Tom Hardy absolutely kills it. Yeah, um, he absolutely bulks up hugely for the role, um, and because I think he he said he was on like a a regiment because in all of his films, especially in the fighter type films, he's not superimposed in size that is him he is bulked up he he's one of the very few actors that will actually go out there and physically change their physical appearance um what adrian brody has done it especially yeah, for the pianist so is christian battle yep and matthew mcconaughey as well but uh i'd say that in terms of as a person he's not exactly small no he's either. not small but then you've got to look at his normal normal shape which you you can sort of see in um, in a couple of the films that he's done, like The Craze, for instance. Yeah, that's his. That's more his normal. Regular. Yeah. Whereas you've got Bane, he is absolutely hulking. I mean, he said he was on a, a high protein diet for yeah. months, and he was literally working out for ten hours a day, seven days a week, probably more than that. He was lifting weights. He was running. He was doing legs. He was doing squat. He was literally doing everything and working every single muscle to get to to that that stage where he was literally that absolute monster. And I think you know because that's what Nolan wanted, wasn't it? He wanted someone to be physically um, scary. You want to know something funny? Go on. You know the coat that Bane wears, the really nice one. Yeah. That like pretty much everyone wanted. Yeah. Um, that took longer to develop and make than the uh, the uh, the bat plane. Really? Yep. For a coat? Yep. How? <laughs> because it had to be made in a very specific uh, in specific fabrics. Had to be tailored to Tom Hardy. Mm. Uh, had to have some uh, uh, sort of materials actually shipped in, uh, oh. and uh, there was only one person making it. So it was hand sewn by one person. Nice. So uh whereas the the bat plane thing had like fifteen oh, people working yeah. on it, they all had the materials there and ready. So it took actually longer to develop Tom Hardy's coat uh than it did the actual bat plane. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's I d I didn't know that. Yeah, the, I didn't know that at all. It actually spawned uh, spawned a fashion trend of those coats as well afterwards everyone wanted one uh, and the the fashion designer who had spent so long like nearly a year designing and building this coat uh, was so pissed off uh, <laughs> because the one reason it took so long is because it wasn't in fashion before then 
Yeah. So it was just so damn hard to get what she needed. Yeah, I mean, it is. it, it does look nice, you know. It's a leather trench coat with all the, the fluffy bit on it all flicked up and... Yeah. Yeah, it is a it is a badass coat. To be fair, mm. I mean that's it, yeah, it's it is nice. You can understand yeah. why people would want it because it literally goes all the way up the back, back of the head. Um, but yeah, I mean you've only got to look at the comparison. I mean he shaved his head for it as well. That's not a what's his name. That's not a Baldwig. He actually shaved his head. Like, yeah, he bicked his head like one hundred percent. I mean. It's not that much of a stretch for a guy to do it when it when it's a girl doing it. Like Ripley. Yeah, that's. I think that's more of a an but, issue. Well, more. Well, yeah. Karen Gillan did it, didn't she? For and plus, you know, Charles Bronson was bald as yeah. well. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's nothing new to to Tom Hardy. But the, see, he's great as Bane. He's got that physical presence. He's got that menacing sort of tone to his voice. That That's him. That's his voice. He's actually... It was his idea to put, like, a muffler because the way that Nolan wanted it, it was almost that he was... It it was still relatively clear as to what he was saying. And he was like, no, no, no. You know, if he's got this stuff on his mouth, he's going to be muffled. You're going to struggle to understand what he's saying. Yeah, but that's... Chris Nolan did have a, an, a, a point because he then had to go back and redub all of his lines again yeah. with a filter. Yeah, no, he did have a point, but it offers more authenticity. And the one thing that you you can say for Tom Hardy is that he's all about authenticity. Yeah. He doesn't like shortcuts being made on his roles because he knows that it's his graft. You know, he's very much like Tom Cruise in that respect. Mm. Tom Cruise likes <laughs> authenticity. That's why he does all of he's his own insane. stunts. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's insane, but he does all of his own stunts. Yeah, and did you see him break his foot in that? Mission Impossible, well, the where newest he one. Was jumping to grab hold of that helicopter. No, was it, it was a helicopter? A, or jumping across buildings. Jumping across buildings. Yeah. And you just saw his foot, like <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, but Hardy does it, it did most of his own. Yeah. Sequences as well. And there's no problem with that up until, eventually, an actor will try to do something and they'll die. And they'll die, and then everyone will shut down. Yeah, but then yeah, die. but you do that, but then. On the flip side, we're going off on tangent here, but it yeah. wouldn't be our show if we didn't go off on tangent. But then when a stuntman dies, or stunt woman, and this happened a lot recently. Yeah, it has happened a lot. And it, not much of an issue has been made about it. Exactly. And therein lies the issue because... Which is not, horrifying. It is horrifying. And that, and there's a lot of, um, I don't know, backhanded compliments that Hollywood, and especially the Academy, make for stuntmen and women um they don't get their own uh oscar they don't get their own category i mean christ these guys account for 90 percent of the action sequences in all of our films yeah and if they die it's like ah, oh. yeah but if an actor a it's... hollywood actor gets injured it's like oh my god it's the end of the no hang on a minute they should be a parity because you wouldn't have a film without stunt doubles and there's one person that's come out and said that is the rock and he and he's he's openly said, if it not for my stunt doubles, I wouldn't be anywhere near the type of actor that I am now. They deserve more recognition than what I get. If I get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, they should get one as well. <laughs> In the words of another iconic <laughs> DC villain, <laughs> when a stunt person dies, no one bats an eye. <laughs> <laughs> when an actor breaks their foot everyone loses their minds I know right it's just 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's going back on to, to Tom Hardy. He he was brutally underused in that film. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Bane was brutally underused. He my, was more of a. My main means. issue is that he should have been the full hundred percent villain. Yeah, and they didn't. No, they they kind of pulled back from it, which was, <laughs> mm, yeah, he wasn't the full on. It it took. I get it, right? I get it as to why they did it. They had that whole little. Well, we can. It's not exactly like it's spoilers. We don't have to stay quiet. Like the movie's been out for quite some time now. Yeah. Um. But like, I get that they wanted the whole setup for Raz Al Ghul's child being Talia. Yeah. Because it's comic accurate and everything. But at the same time, Bane was smart enough and strong enough to deal with Batman by himself. He didn't need another person. We didn't need subterfuge either. Well, that's kind of part of it. I just quite liked the fact that Catwoman obviously lured Batman into that trap with Bane. And I really wish they'd address that later in the movie. Because they kind of do. And say, like, I had no choice. Yeah. But at the same time, she, she straight up led him into a trap. Yeah, she straight up literally handed his ass to Bane. And that that sequence itself, that was Tom Hardy against Christian Bale. Yeah. They actually did that scene together because Tom was adamant that he was not going to let his stunt double do it. He wanted to do it himself. Yeah. And then Christian Bale was like, fuck, well, if this guy's doing it, then I'm fucking doing it as well. And they literally went, because Christian Bale ended up with... Like and then Michael Kang came along and said, he'd be doing it too, no. Yeah, and then he said, you're only meant to blow the bloody doors off. No, he... um, Yeah, I think Christian Bale ended up with like a fractured nose and uh, like a couple of... Yeah, and he actually got <laughs> he actually got really hurt. At least he didn't break his spine. Mm. Yeah, but still. It was... It, yeah, for me, that was one of the most... One of his most epic roles, yeah, because of the the sheer size of him. And then obviously you had Mad Max and and then that. But you've also got one that he's not in it uh, for long. We're talking Inception. about a TV show. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. He's brilliant in Peaky Blinders. He reminds me very much of the craze in that. Yeah, I see that very much. In the the tone of voice, the projection, mannerisms, the man, yeah, it it very much. It's like he's drawn on, on that. And why not? It's a good source of information to draw on. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, because you know they weren't very far between each other either. The I don't believe. You know the, what I'd like to see him do more of though. What's that? Villain roles. Yeah, but then they're in. A, he'd be typecast as as a villain. I think. I mean, yeah, he, he did go down the he did go down the lovable rogue one in This Is War. I mean, what I'm trying to say is like Gary Oldman has had a serious career of being bad guy. Yeah, but he still managed to play good guys when he needs to. Yeah, and I think Tom Hardy, I would like to see as an enemy of James Bond. See, he would be. He would be great as an enemy of James Bond. Or as James Bond. Uh, see, no. Nah, uh, as much as he would make a great James Bond, I I think he's more suited to 
to a villain. And I say this because you know full well that everyone has had enough of a particular type of actor playing James Bond. Um, Daniel Craig? No, I wasn't talking about <laughs> person. Oh, you mean Idris Elba? I would love to see Idris Elba yeah. as James Bond. Yeah, me I too. would absolutely because he would be perfect. I'm for starting that role. to feel like he's getting too old, though, which yeah. is irritating because yeah. he would make a perfect Bond four or five years ago. Mm. Yeah, when Daniel Craig should have moved it away. Up. Yeah, yeah, should have moved away from it. And they should have given it to him. I think Daniel Craig should have had his um, Casino Royale, and then they should have George Lazenby'd his ass and just given him one and one and done. Yeah, because Quantum of Solace was crap. Yeah, Skyfall was even worse. I didn't mind Skyfall. I, I liked it better than Quantum of Solace. Yeah, the whole plot about water is just dull. Mm. Yeah, dull as dishwater. Dull as dishwater. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I just oh knew it. god. Um, but yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from. Tom Hardy being a being a baddie. Um, I think having Tom Hardy in any film is literally guaranteed to to bring in the viewers. <laughs> Especially a gender, <laughs> a specific type of gender. I mean, Christ, the guy did BBC, CBB, CBBS bedtime stories, and it had more viewers <laughs> than fucking EastEnders and Coronation Street put together. Yep, it was literally him reading a bedtime story, but it had it had something ridiculous like nine or ten million people, and I guarantee you, they were all mums. They were all mums. They were all women. There was yeah. not a single. Uh, there um, might have no, been. There would, there would probably be a, a high percentage of guys that watched it too. Yes, yeah, but I would imagine it this would is 2018. be. Twenty like, eighteen. Twenty nineteen, but it was oh, twenty eighteen yeah. when it was out. Yeah, I would imagine. That, yeah, it's probably a seventy thirty split, maybe. But <laughs> certainly a couple of splits. <laughs> certainly a couple of splits. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um, it's yeah. He's one of those people that he. He can pretty much, I don't turn his hand at anything. I'll say one thing bad about him, right? And this is just one thing that I've noticed. He does not seem to be a interview person. No, he's not. He doesn't like being interviewed. He's not very personable. It's it's not. He's not personable. It's that he's very. He does not like them. He's very shy. He's straight up like when you see him, he's very straight to the point. I'll do the media uh, stuff that I've been contracted to do uh, and then get out of there. And if anyone asks any questions that are not sort of scripted, he starts kicking off at the interviewer. And you kind of feel bad for the interviewer sometimes because Tom Hardy is no fool and he will tear that person to pieces. Yeah, He's got that quiet sort of... I would say Gordon Ramsay, but it's not. It's like it's the ability to put someone down. Yeah, he can do it with just a couple of words yeah. would make them feel shit. Yeah. No, I no, I get what you mean. But that's because he's quite an introverted person. Yeah, and being pushed out. Uh, well, to be fair, there is a lot of talk at the moment as to whether actors should be forced into doing these uh, interviews because at the end of the day, they're actors. They shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't really be f- doing anything other than acting. Yeah. I mean, Christ, could you imagine if... We got rolled out to do something that we didn't want to do. I mean, at work. You know? Yeah, it's 
I mean, so, but do you know what I mean? You know, we're, when we're at work, we're forced we're, to do stuff that we don't want to do, though. Like generally, but uh, yeah. But if we were to, if we, you know, we we work in. Sales. I don't like emptying the bin, man. I well, really no, hate that. Yeah, that bugs me so much. Yeah, yeah, but she's on holiday, so yeah. Um, but but you know, we're salespeople. Yeah, and it, it's what we do. If we were then told to go and do a marketing campaign oh, god that's like taking us from behind the screen in, in, to, the, to the front of it that's not something that yeah and, and we would be awkward yeah you know we would feel awkward if someone started asking us questions about our job and recording it and putting it out for people to see we would start to feel well yeah. maybe not you and i because we do this and we do <laughs> interviews for you know at comic cons and whatnot but you get the idea if we were told if we were asked to do something that was technically part of our job but would mm. have would have an impact on it but isn't actually our job we would be awkward as well but then on the flip side of that they are actors who knowingly put themselves in the public eye yeah so therefore they should be prepared to do the full job yeah it's a 360 job isn't it yeah so it, it's it's give and take there's arguments for both sides yeah i, I mean <clears throat> for for the younger actors and actresses uh millie bobby brown for instance I don't see why they should wheel those out. They're, they're youngsters. They shouldn't be put, you know, it's bad enough they're already in in the, you know, in front of the camera anyway. That's already, that could be technically classed as exploitation if you listen to certain action groups uh, and whatnot. Yeah, if it's having them harming their education or stuff like that. Yeah, but also having them, you know, pushed out to answer questions all the time in, in you know one-on-one situations is is never good for their mental health and obviously mental health no. being quite a big thing is, yeah. especially at a young age older actors like uh you Tom Hanks or your Gary Oldman they're used to it. they're old you know they're old school yeah they're adults yes yeah. there was that whole thing uh a while ago actually with Finn Wolfhard where uh, on one of his social media accounts, a woman was making inappropriate messages towards him. Yeah. Uh, and it was kicking off because not only was it completely inappropriate uh, because he was a child uh, and, yeah, it was just wrong. Yeah. Um, but it was from another sort of, it was like a Z-list celebrity, minor celebrity. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was just one of those things where they shouldn't even be in that position to have to suffer that. No. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like their privacy and their protection should be what's most important. And, you know, you've got people like David Arbour who can do these press junkets and things and yeah. can be the voice of the show. Uh, you don't need to <laughs> force uh, Finn Wolfhard and Muddy no. Bobby Brown and all of the others to uh, continue to do these things. And you've got the younger generation as well that play... Um, oh, now, now we're bringing up Stranger Things, and my mind's going blank about the characters. But like the the older sister, yeah, and, and like the uh, the, the boy, yeah, the, the boyfriend, and yeah, yeah, the ones that no one really cares about because they're secondary characters. But yeah, but I, I think they're going to get more this season anyway. Yeah, they definitely seem like they're going towards uh, a more sort of teenage group as a whole, rather yeah. than kids, teenagers, and adults. Yeah, um, but yeah, he, you know. He, We've gone off on another tangent. Yeah. Uh, what we're talking about, Tom, uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Hardy, but he is a very <laughs> introverted person when it comes to interviews. And you're right, he is very, um, 
very sort of don't go off subject because I'm not prepared. You know, because he's one of those people that, you know, when you only have to watch um, interviews with him that you can you can tell that he's... He's one moment he from needs... getting up and walking out of the interview. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if someone was to go, so uh, what about your past history with alcoholism? He'd just, just get up and walk out. Yeah. I mean... It's that, uh, it's that level of... Uh... <laughs> Some but, people are prepared to sit there and discuss all manner of things in those junkets. Uh, and you've got Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Hardy on the other side that are quite private and don't want to discuss anything other than the movies. And that's completely up to them. Yeah, it's, if they're being wheeled out to do these, then those press who are interviewing them should understand that they shouldn't go off topic. Yeah, because there was that question I remember uh, that popped up for Tom Hardy about his sexuality. And yeah. it bared no no point to the movie. No. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's just rude. It's like some interviewers just use it as an excuse to, to get something outlandish in there. Controversial. To make a point. For, for clickbait. Yeah. That's Try literally that what answer. it is. Yeah. It, it, it's like clickbait. Unless, of course, it's done in like a real genuine way. I mean, um, Chris Stark from BBC Radio 1. Yeah. He did, he did an interview with Mila Kunis. And ended up asking her out on a date at Watford Football Club. <laughs> but he was so endearing because he is he's that sort of person. He's very much a what you see is what you get sort of person. He's yeah. very he's not dim and he's not stupid, but he comes across that way. Um and yeah, and that kind of he blew up. Yeah, but because that, of that. That was um that was within reason. That wasn't him. Asking no, 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 what no, colour no, underwear she wore. No, no, no. But it, it kind of ended up being some people labelled it car crash interview, but it wasn't. It was hilarious. Yeah. And it was great fun. And she took it the way in which it was intended as just an off the cuff sort of And it was very much a case of it felt like it was sort of not scripted, but certainly he had always intended for it to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she was probably a little bit pre warned, but yeah. um but yeah, some of these interviewers do just try to do it to get clickbait. A rise out of the person. Yeah, but at the end of the day, these, like you say, these people work behind, work in front of a camera. They don't, they don't owe us anything. No. It's only because the studios want them to promote the films. Yeah. I'm sure Tom Hardy would have been absolutely sweet as a nut done if he didn't have to go anywhere to <laughs> promote Venom. I'm I mean... sure he'd have been... He'd have been happily some people's opinions is uh he would have been happy as a lemon probably not doing venom quite possibly yeah um i didn't hate that movie but i just it could have been a lot better i just i just didn't i don't think he's right i think he's fine i don't think he's the right actor for it personally i don't think he's got that that touch i mean he's okay as venom he's for that I don't know the the aggression, the uh, the extrovertedness of Venom, but when it comes to the the human part, I don't think he's. It sounds horrible. I don't think he's as softly, softly because of the type of person he is and the type of roles that he's done. I don't think it's the same with This Is War. He was he was never very good at that because it was a very softly, softly chick flick. Yeah, he's not really. He may be a chick magnet, but he but it's not. He does, chick flicks aren't for him. They're not. I think unless he's going full psychopath, he's he's too nice. If you know what I mean, like yeah. 
he's just too likable uh unless he's going like i said full crazy full aggression um you know standing the opposite side of the octagon about to charge and batter you to death uh other than that though he's like when he comes uh you know eddie brock is supposed to be in the comics a bit of a dick yeah uh, and he just doesn't come across that way no it's because he's trying too hard to to be a nice guy i don't think he's trying too hard to be i think he just because you you see what he's supposed to be which is a guy that's unreliable and everything like that, but it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And then again, that's partly down to the writing, not to uh, Tom Hardy's portrayal. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he... Personally, I don't think he's right for the role. You know, I don't think he he's not the right person for that character. I agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, you know, you don't have to agree with me all the time. No, I, I barely, I barely agree with you. You barely most... agree with me, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but if you already always agreed with me, it would. Be There's always boring. that Green Lantern statue in the corner of the room. Oh, <laughs> you know, trash. <laughs> you know, see, no, he would make a great Hal Jordan, Tom Hardy. No, he wouldn't. Jay yeah, would. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, he would. You know who Tom Hardy would do really well? A young Wolverine. Yes. Yeah, because yes. he's. Of short enough stature, no offence, Tom Hardy. No. Um, and he's aggressive enough, uh, and he can do a decent American accent, unlike Sophie Turner. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, I just... I just don't... I just, I just don't know. It's because she was in Game of Thrones. And imagine... Imagine the warrior, or warrior. I think it's just called warrior. Yeah, it's just warrior. But with metal claws. <laughs> I mean... You're selling it to me. Exactly. I mean, I mean, people at Marvel should be picking up the blower to Tom Hardy and be like, "Look, we want to do an or- we want to do an origins film." Oh no, 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 <laughs> no! And we want to have Ryan Reynolds next to you with his mouth sewn up. Yeah. No, I think they should. I think they should have. They should cast him as Wolverine. I think he'd make a great Wolverine. I think him, him, and Hugh Jackman are very similar in in that sort of perspective yeah They're, they are very similar in build very similar in um in attitude very similar in acting style yep and I, I i think he would make a great wolverine if they ever get it green lit to do oh, another well, they, wolverine they, film yeah they got the mutants back in the marvel universe so thank you if... thank you spider-man and the multiverse yeah that's all i'm gonna say because that's going to open up, and it's very, very clever. Have you how heard done Tom- that? Oh, okay, going off on another tangent. Yes, off. Yeah, might as well. Have you heard that Tom Holland wants to do a multiverse with Tobey Maguire and uh, Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield? I mean, that would be amazing. Can you even imagine having all three of those? I mean, Tobey <laughs> Maguire now is a bit old. Yeah, but he could play old man Peter. Yeah, he could do. Uh, and Andrew Garfield could just—I mean—be another Peter Parker, yeah. older. He's yeah, he's older than Tom Holland, but that would be class. Yeah, it would be awesome. Like so dope. How could they even? How would they even? Kind of go down that route. Well, same into the Spider Verse. It was multiple different yeah parallel universes. See, that would be class. That would be so so good. Just just a little friendly nod to the others and be like, yeah, you exist. You exist. You're shit, but you exist. Oh, with their own the. All the, their uniforms because they're all slightly different. They're, yeah, but it would be so cool to see them in their proper original ones. 
Yeah. And then Tom Holland in his either metal one or whatever. Yeah. Probably be the new one. Imagine he... if we found out that Tom Holland's Peter Parker isn't like the original. But it's like Tobey Maguire's. Yeah. Like, like Earth Toby... One or something. Yeah. And like the one that we've been watching, the, in, the entire series of the Marvel ones, are like an off brand that we've not. That would be trippy. See, yeah. It's and we be... see like a th- another Thor just poke his head round the corner and you're like, oh my God. See, that would be that would be great. And that would be Steven Seagal, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah. Oh. Kick you in the face. <laughs> Dear me. It, it, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, it, it, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. It, that's pretty much us done, yeah. you know. Tom Hardy, what a guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's, <laughs> he, there's not many British actors out there at the minute that have such a varied on-screen persona. Yeah. Because, you know, and and it's that... I would liken him very similarly to um, Gary Oldman in Versatility. Yeah. Because Tom Hardy is very versatile in the roles that he's done, from Peaky Blinders to... Uh, Star Trek Nemesis to Warrior to Bane to Mad Max. Technically, I think he's actually starred with Gary Oldman twice. Tinker Dark- Taylor Soldier Spy. And Dark Knight Rises. And the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has been in so many other films. But I think because he's. Because women are so enthralled by him, I think his his actual acting charisma goes unnoticed because it's always, oh, you know, Tom Hardy topless, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but he's actually a solid actor. You know, he's literally. actually, he's, well, yeah, he's, yeah, literally he's a solid actor. But he's, you know, he's worked, <laughs> he's worked hard to get to where he, he hasn't been handed to him. Yes, he's a trained actor. Most actors don't just fall into the role. He's the one person I probably would think twice about interviewing. Though. I'd be like, oh, Richard, you take this one. I try not to piss him off. Yeah. Yeah. Christ, could you even imagine? If he said one thing wrong. Tom, could you just read this bedtime story? My, my name's Tom Hardy. You'll call me Tom Hardy. It's like, yeah. oh, You'll call me Christ. Tom Hardy or Mr. Hardy. <laughs> yes, Mr. Hardy. Sorry, Do you know Mr. what nemesis Hardy. means, boy? <laughs> wrong, wrong character. Yes, wrong character. I know. That's Alan Ford, Bricktop. I know. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, another quick shout out to uh, to the Cambridge Comic Con and to Feel the Force Day. Some more uh, guests have been announced for both. So do go find out who has been announced. Both are really pushing the boat out for guests this year. Um, they are going to be absolutely unbelievable. So do go and buy yourself a ticket. It's like £7.50 for Feel the Force Day and it's not much more for Cambridge Comic Con either. Mm. So, you know, go and uh, and get your tickets because stuff like this doesn't happen around here very often, uh, especially for, you know, on the Cambridge side of things. Field of Force Day has, has had a few years to establish itself and is now moving on to a much higher, uh, much larger scale. So, uh, so yeah, go out and buy your tickets now. Um, we will be back next week. Have a good one. Um, take it easy. There is one more thing. It's been emotional.
Kriegsminister. 